Welcome to the Journal Hijabi podcast. I'm your host, Sirin, and here we're all about elevating the voices of hijabi women in mainstream media through authentic storytelling. Without further ado, let's begin the episode. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I will say that when it comes to the discrimination that Muslim women potentially face, because of their hijab, I would remind women that we're never the problem when it comes to those situations. It's always those that are discriminating against us. Um, and to always remember that you aren't the problem, it's those who are intolerant of people's differences. Welcome, I'm Serene Cotter, host of the Journal Hijabi podcast. I created this platform to further strengthen our bond with the hijab. Journal Hijabi is a space where women can authentically and fearlessly be themselves. Join in on our weekly conversations with different hijabis where we discuss the stories of each hijabi and dive deep into the meaning behind it. You can support this podcast by simply leaving an honest review and sharing it with the people you know would love it. Let's begin. In this week's episode, I'm sitting down with Sanat Ghanim. She is a human rights major currently attending SMU Law School. She is the founder of Give a Pencil, which is a nonprofit organization in DFW that is dedicated to securing the human right to education. And she has also written an article about the misperceived image of Palestinians in Texas schools. And that article has been published by the Houston Chronicle. Isn't that just amazing? I I welcome you, Sana. Thank you for having me on the show. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast and I'm excited to share my story. I'm so excited to have you on here today. I already know that you're such a dedicated person in everything that you do and you honestly always look for what's the next big thing to accomplish and I just admire that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so each hijabi has her own unique story of when she first wore the hijab. And I would love to hear from you and share with our listeners, how would you describe your first memory of the hijab? So I put on my hijab 
going into my sophomore year of high school. And I remember kind of um, being really nervous about it, but this was as long as I think I could hold off on it, um, on putting on the hijab before it would before I would be too comfortable having that one hijab for so long. Um, so when I put it on, I was definitely really nervous to go to high school with it um, because everyone that I went to school with, I had kind of grown up with um, because I've lived in the same city for most of my life. And we've transitioned you know, from elementary to middle to high school together. Um, so all, the, all these people have only known me without my hijab on. So it was definitely an adjustment that I had to make, but I put it on with one of my really close friends and we kind of did it together. And I've been grateful that I did ever since. Yeah, that's so amazing to hear. And it's so nice to have like that friend that you can relate to that she's also putting it on and having that at the same time. And it's interesting because I also actually wore it my sophomore year of high school and I want to mention to our listeners that you and I have actually attended the same high school together and the reason I bring that up is because in my first episode I talked about my hijab story and how one Friday I just randomly chose to put on the hijab and go to school and I remember that you were actually the first person to take a picture with me and I remember it so vividly because I was wearing this green olive hijab and I'm honestly so glad that you captured that moment because I wasn't even thinking clearly that day but I want to hear from your perspective what were your thoughts on seeing me show up to school one day with the hijab on? Oh my, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Oh my God. Um, I remember you put it on in the middle of the school year, right? Yeah, it was like the last yeah, week of sophomore. Yeah, it was the most <laughs> random day ever. <laughs> I remember like, because our high school was pretty um, populated with Muslims and Arabs, um, so... I remember everyone was really shocked that you put it on and we all kind of wondered what made you put it on so randomly because typically what what Muslim girls do is they will wait for the summer to come around for people to kind of forget about them and then they'll come back to school with it on so it's not a huge shock to everyone um, because it mm-hmm. does feel kind of, I wouldn't say embarrassing, but you feel as though everyone's looking at you, which they kind of are because it is an adjustment for everyone. Um, but I just remember being really shocked and wondering what made you put it on that random morning. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I actually, okay, like typical hijabis, I guess they do want to wear it during the summer because, you know, just to get used to it and like not everyone's like looking at them in school. But I mean, for me, I wanted to put it on and like randomly come on on a Friday and wear it the last week of sophomore in high school because I wanted my teachers and the people in high school to get used to like seeing me that last week so when I went to high school junior year it would kind of be like oh okay like that's how I remember her as and like I also I didn't want to just like sit around and just keep waiting for the right time to put it on because I always knew you know I'm going to end up wearing it and so I was just like you know what let's just do it so one Friday I just wore it randomly and 
I don't know. I hope like that inspired other hijabi or girls to eventually put it on. Yeah, it's it's definitely really admirable that you did that. Um, and I definitely think the point you brought up about hijabis waiting for the right time to put on the hijab is really important because if I've learned anything in my journey with the hijab is that there isn't really a right time to do it. Um, you're never really going to feel 100% comfortable with it the first day you put it on. Um, it's an adjustment, and you just kind of have to do it one day and kind of hope for the best. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just knew that there wasn't going to be a right time, so I'm just like, whatever, I'm just going to put it on. Now it's time to get a little political and serious, which is is what I know are the things that you love. As a hijabi woman majoring in human rights and attending law school and working towards becoming a lawyer, have you throughout your college career experienced any obstacles and or discrimination specifically because you are a hijabi woman in the field of law? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that greatest disadvantage that I think I had uh, with being a hijabi and my identity as a visibly Muslim woman is that I always got placed in a box around people who didn't understand what it's like to be a Muslim woman and especially someone who wears the hijab. Um, I went to a, a private university which was mostly very conservative and I feel as though I was always asked to represent the Muslim community, um, whether it was in the classroom or in office hours with professors or in student organizations, um, or when things would happen in the Muslim community, I was always asked to speak on behalf of Muslims, which oftentimes made me uncomfortable because it's hard for me to be the spokesperson for over a billion people. Oh, wow. But, yeah. 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 I definitely understand what you're saying because I've sort of experienced the same thing um, in social work, like I would be the only hijabi in the room and the professor would just bring up a topic or we would watch a video about a Muslim woman being discriminated against in the hijab and so it would just be obvious that I would have to stand up and and base my opinions and, and say something about it even if I don't feel like talking that day or or talking about it. And so I kind of do feel that pressure of when that question pops up or you're being put on the spot or in the room where you have to speak up, you have to like quickly adjust to that and just, it it just feels so pressuring having to like speak on behalf of the Muslim community and other hijabis. So I totally understand that. I would also say that, I guess tokenism is the best way to describe it. When you're one of the few hijabis on in the institution, whether it be a university or your high school or your workplace, you're the go-to person for any question that someone has on Islam or something that's going on related to hijabis or sometimes you're often like miscategorized as being um, from a country that you don't know much about. Um, I vividly remember my first human rights class that I took in my you know, my first day at school. Uh, I went to this class and throughout the semester we watched videos of human rights violations across the globe 
and there was one day where we watched a video of a woman being stoned in Iran and I remember being really just shaken up after that class because I knew that to some of my classmates that's how they viewed Islam um, and that's probably what they were thinking what they think when they look at me and I remember um, having people come up to me after that class and asking me questions about it and what I think about it and it's just a lot of pressure to kind of be that spokesperson especially when you don't agree with things that are oftentimes attached to the religion oh my god yes it's like we're always put in this like political and controversial image and we can't nowadays afford to like not know the answer or not know what to say it's like we have to do research and know exactly what to say when a person comes up to us and starts asking these questions i mean even me i was in a chipotle line and this guy was asking me about this book about a woman that was in war in iran and so i mean i don't know like i've never been to iran i didn't know what to reply and and so just like him assuming that like I've been through war because I'm a hijabi or my image or the way that I look or that I'm from Iran is just kind of concerning and I don't really like that and it's just so much pressure nowadays for hijabis to keep up with the image, the false image that has been built up about us on the media. Hijabis facing discrimination in the workforce isn't something new sadly just the other day i actually saw an interview on good morning america where there was a hijabi discussing how the hijab was banned from her workplace and also another hijabi was discussing how she was i believe fired for praying during her lunch breaks and i know that may seem as discrimination against her religion but also i've never really heard that happen to a muslim guy So I'm questioning that it most likely had to do with her hijab. And so seeing that discrimination against hijabis in the workplace is well and alive. Do you, as a future lawyer in five to ten years, see yourself facing this kind of discrimination? And how would you say we, hijabis, could overcome this issue and maintain fierceness and boldness and resilience through these times? Yeah, that's a really great question. And that's oftentimes something I think about when I'm stepping into not only uh, a career field where there aren't many hijabi lawyers, um, but it's also a male-dominated career field. So those are two kind of dynamics that I often think about. Um, But since I'm specifically going into human rights, law and international human rights law. I think being a hijabi or not, I kind of have to put on, get some really thick skin and be able to act quickly in those situations. Um, And I think the best advice I would give someone is to kind of purify your intentions on why you're wearing the hijab and your connection to it. Um, Because of course, the first reason that we put it on is for God. So in defense of the hijab, we're defending our religion and our right to practice our religion. So it's important that we as hijabis are confident in the reasons why we wear hijab. When someone asks us or tries to discriminate against us, we have to know our rights. And that goes for so many marginalized groups in America. 
that's kind of the reality that we live in and constantly having to know our rights and knowing how to enforce our rights onto those who try to restrict them. Absolutely. I think that's such an important topic today for especially hijabis to understand the human right, the basic human rights that they have. And so on the topic of hijab bans, I want to understand why European countries are so pressed with women wearing the hijab. You know, I mean, there are people everywhere bothered by the hijab, but specifically Europe is just absolutely violating hijabi women's human rights. The niqab ban in France and then the hijab ban in universities in Belgium. I truly admire the strength and resilience hijabi women have in countries that consistently violate their human rights. And having to choose between getting an education and practicing your religion freely shouldn't be something that women have to think about. So I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on hijab bans and how they violate basic human rights? And what can we do to eliminate that? I think it's really interesting now during this global pandemic that we have found ourselves in, how ironic the hijab and niqab bans have been in Europe. Um, now that everyone across the globe has their face covered. Uh, I read an article in NPR recently um, about how France has gone from niqabs to N95s, and I thought that was just a really ironic way of putting it um, because France has been one of the countries who has been really adamant about banning hijabs for safety reasons or what they you know what they call safety reasons that there shouldn't be or banning niqab sorry because yeah. uh, people shouldn't have their face covered because it's a safety concern to the public and everyone needs to be able to see your face because it establishes equality between two people who are talking to each other um, but now everyone's face is covered so now we know that it actually had nothing to do with safety because the world's functioning completely fine with everyone wearing these masks. Um, And it was always about Islamophobia and wanting to just restrict Muslim women from being able to rightfully um, rightfully practice their religions. And as far as what we can do about it, I think social media and electing people to government positions who fight for our rights is really important. I think on an individual scale, we can continue to press these governments um, and press our elected officials to raise their voices against these laws because it's been effective. Um, I think of Representative Ilhan Omar. She's the one who overturned the ban in Congress for anyone to wear a head a headpiece on um, on Capitol Hill, and she's effectively done that. So it just takes putting bold people into positions of power that we are comfortable with uh, representing the Muslim community. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. Even the protests that have been going on in Belgium, like those are so important and they shape the way that hijabi women respond to their human rights being violated. And that's just so amazing to see so many hijabi women come together and protest about how this is unacceptable and that they're not just going to tolerate it anymore. So lastly, I want to ask, 
What advice would you give to young girls and women who are looking into wearing the hijab during these trying times of bans and opinions? And how can they remain bold and powerful regardless of what is going on around them? I would first say that hijab isn't, wearing hijab is not easy. And I know it might look easy when you know, we're just posting our photos on our Instagrams and we all make it look really fashionable. But it's a struggle for myself and I'm sure for so many other Muslim women. So I'm not going to say that it's been a really easy ride. But I will say that when it comes to the discrimination that Muslim women potentially face because of their hijab, I would remind women that we're never the problem when it comes to those situations. It's always those that are discriminating against us. Um, and to always remember that you aren't the problem. It's those who are intolerant of people's differences. And it's important, I think now more than ever, to be really bold in your hijab. Um, I've seen uh, you know, people who fear for their safety and they'll wear a beanie or a hat instead of a hijab, which I completely understand for safety reasons or just feeling uncomfortable in your hijab that day. Um, but for me, I feel really powerful when I wear my hijab and I'm kind to strangers and even kind to people who I know are uncomfortable in my presence. Um, I think it's important to take that power and instill it in yourself and it'll radiate to others. You'll change per the perspective of the people that you find yourself around um, and it starts internally and it starts in your inner circles and then eventually we'll be able to change the mindsets of others or at least resist the oppression that they try to inflict on us. Wow, absolutely. I love that you mention that we're not the problem and we're and that other people are the problem and we are fine with our hijab and we're comfortable with it. It's just that the other people are uncomfortable towards it and it bothers them. And so just to understand that is really powerful and helps you remain bold in times of people talking bad about your hijab or acting bothered about it. Do you have anything else that you would like to add today? Yeah, I think just to that last piece, I think, so I was born in Palestine. Um, so having come from a family who migrated to the United States, I remember always having like an identity crisis growing up in the American school system with wanting to fit in. Um, and at times being embarrassed of, you know, the family we come from or when I didn't wear the hijab, my sisters and my mom wearing the hijab and people knowing we're Muslim. Um, and I think a, a switch came on one day where I realized that, you know, my, my sisters and my mom and my aunts, they're not doing anything wrong by practicing their religion. In fact, it's really admirable that they put on, you know, the face of their religion every day and they own it. So I would just tell any young woman watching this to own it because there are young women like ourselves when we were younger looking up to you and maybe you'll inspire someone to put on their hijab which is probably one of the greatest gifts that you can give to someone oh for sure i mean even though i might like personally have days where i might struggle with the hijab i i know that me putting it on and stepping outside 
will act as a reminder and inspiration to young girls or other Muslim women who wear the hijab and just, you know, even seeing them walk down the street or passing by someone who does wear the hijab and just being able to relate and say hi is just so powerful within itself and we have to remind ourselves to stay fierce and bold within these times. I loved having you on here today and chatting about human rights and hijabi empowerment and how to stay bold. Where can people find you on social media? So my Instagram is underscore Sanat Ghanim and then another underscore. And my Twitter is Sanat with <laughs> six A's at the end and, and then a G. I know it's a little complicated. I don't have really cool handles, but that's my social media. And I post a lot about the work I do. And on Twitter, I'm pretty political um, in regards to Palestine and just American politics overall. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Of course. Thank you for tuning in and spending this time listening to this episode. If you could take one second to support this podcast by sharing it and leaving an honest review, it would mean so much to me and help us to reach many different audiences to spread our stories about the hijab. Let me know what you thought about this episode and tell me what you want to hear more of. Until next time, never forget the power of being a hijabi. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Thanks for reaching the end of the episode. We hope you learned something new about the women who wear the hijab. You can watch the recorded video of this episode on YouTube at Journal Hijabi. And be sure to follow our Instagram at Journal Hijabi to stay updated on all things hijabi and help spread our stories. Until next time, never forget the power of being a hijabi.